Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Thomas Curry's Lighthouse to Skull Island and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, one thing, Mike, we're not talking about is the Planet of the Apes. That's true. <laughs> so for anyone Steve who... Had a whole we, we had quite the pre-roll conversation about... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, strange. So, yeah, uh, if you want that, uh, pretty soon we're going to be setting up Patreon tiers, and uh, you can you you can have yourself some pre roll and other stupidity that comes out of this podcast. But until then, yeah, you get to listen to Mike and I talk about nerd things once a week here. Well, more than once a week this week, and for the forthcoming couple of weeks. Because yeah. if you're not checking out our Ahsoka coverage, uh, feel free to tune in every Wednesday. Is that what we're doing? Wednesday. I have Wednesdays now, yeah. Yep, we moved it because um, of conflicts, but uh, you can watch the episode on Tuesday, get your fill of other people talking, and then listen to us on Wednesday. Yeah, you think you give yourself a day to think about it, and then you tune in for what we think about it, and you can tell us if we're right or tell us if we're wrong. Um, yeah, Tuesdays are just a harder day, I think, for me, scheduling-wise, so Wednesdays uh, turned out to be the way to go. Um, but yeah. Welcome to the Multiverse Report. We actually have a pretty uh, solid rundown today after a couple of weeks of um, what I called light news, despite us still uh, talking way too long about everything and going on many tangents. Yes. Um, we're uh, doing strike stuff. We have some uh, David Zaslav weirdness. Uh, we got some DC news. We got some Godzilla news. We got, we're talking about a comic book movie adaptation tonight that's another rarity i don't believe we've ever talked about on this podcast i could be wrong but i don't think we ever have um plus a comic book review of have, a book called dwellings by jay stevens we have talked about the original we have never talked about we have? this yes we have talked about the original i don't remember that okay it was brief we'll remember we when we get there yeah okay well we'll get there um as always, this uh, podcast is sponsored by Funky Town Comics in Camillus, New York. Check them out for all your comics and toys and vinyl needs. You can even get all um, the comics that we'll be reviewing later in this podcast there. Yes, you absolutely can. And many of them that we shall read that are coming out this week later in the podcast. And for anyone listening, um, we're really professional at this because I set Mike up for a perfect pause exactly when he was taking a drink of his... Uh, beverage yeah and i spoke while you were drinking a drink of your beverage <laughs> we're good at this guys we, we we it's like we've been doing this a long time <laughs> and we have uh starting off tonight with a uh, as we always have been doing since the writers guild went on strike now the writers guild and sag after screen actors guild is on strike as well we have been opening with strike watch I think we actually started doing this before they went on strike because we saw it coming. Um, but anyway, a couple updates this week. Um, there has been rumors and buzz that there is division uh, on the studio side of things. Division specifically between like the Hollywood film studios and uh, streamers. Um, so like Amazon, Netflix holding out over things that 
maybe Disney or Warner Brothers would cave on and vice versa. But, you know, Disney and Warner Brothers also have a stake in the streaming, but I think they get more, they get a lot of money from the theaters as well. So that could, that could mean that they're getting ready to negotiate or maybe some of them will break. Maybe they'll break and, uh, you know, film studios will make a deal before streamers will make a deal or vice versa or who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But also, this was coming out, this blew up today that I saw. Uh, Drew, the Drew Barrymore talk show. Today I learned announced that, it that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> she started it during the, uh, during the pandemic, I think. And huh. it's a pretty popular show. And I've never watched it, but I know that people love it and love her. I've seen clips of it and her being classic, adorable right. Drew Barrymore, you know, funny and open and, you know, very warm with her guests and uh, seems like a good show. However, they announced they're going back into production. They're going back into production today. They started filming new episodes of the Drew Barrymore talk show. This is being taken as a huge slap in the face to not necessarily the actor screen actors guild but the writers guild um because although drew barrymore herself is a member of the screen actors guild this doesn't really count as acting she's hosting she's not pretending to play a part she's not reading scripted well she's not reading dialogue um but normally if you're hosting a talk show you have writers and you are doing an opening monologue you're writing, you're reading questions to guests that are pre-written. You're doing banter with your whoever else that's also pre-written. So uh, this is being taken as a slap in the face to the WGA, to the Writers Guild. Yeah. Um, because if she has anybody, anybody writing anything for her to say, then she's uh, scabbing and they're scabbing and they're uh, breaking the picket lines. And uh, this is being seen as like, you know, kind of like a crack in the wall of their solidarity that they've been able to maintain for months now, months and months. This has been going on. So uh, they're saying that if this if this keeps happening, then other shows might start happening. And then, um, you know, it's a real uh, break in the leverage that they have because the, the biggest biggest piece they have to play is their solidarity. Right. And if this is one crack, then it's a big that's a big crack. And uh, there was even at the the first filming was happening today. And apparently there was some audience members showed up wearing uh, WGA support pins. And guess what? They were escorted out of the studio, asked to leave before taping. So that's not a good sign. So Drew Barrymore, come on, America's sweetheart. Now you're uh, slapping your other uh, industry members in the face here. Come on. Yeah, Come on. that seems. And I know, like, some people, you may go ahead. Oh no, it just seems weird after all this solidarity that, especially someone you know of Drew Barrymore's stature, is the one that's uh, causing yeah. this fervor. Like, I I don't yeah, know if she's it... doing it for the people. Like, she could just hand a check to the people that are working for her if that's her concern. Exactly, Steve. Exactly. Set me up for the next point I was literally about to make anyway. Um, a lot of people may remember, or people that are our age, that remember the 2007 and 2008 writer strike. Yep. Uh, Conan O'Brien stayed on the air, and he would not, he would do a full show. He would do like 20 minutes or a half hour, and he would literally like 
spin a quarter on his desk and see how long he could get it to go. Like, you know, like he wasn't doing really jokes or anything. Like he's a funny guy, but he wasn't right. doing a monologue. He wasn't, didn't have guests. And it was really just him, you know, doing whatever dumb thing for 20 minutes just to like kind of show the importance of writers. And also he paid his entire writing staff out of his own pocket, his entire crew for his show. He paid during that strike kept them afloat on his own dime. Drew Barrymore could easily do that and be back on the air. She could yeah. be paying the salaries of these people. She is a multimillionaire. She's been a famous actress since she was a child. She's got enough money to handle this. Um, so if she wanted to do that, then yeah, put your show back on the air. If you're paying these people, if you're making your own deal, then yes, put get back on the air. Great, but you're not. So it's kind of looking like scabbing behavior here, Drew. Um. And, I, you know, she released, she released a statement today saying that she owns this decision and that she's doing it for her crew and stuff. And that's virtuous. You know, of course, you have camera people and producers and things that also have not been able to work because of the strike. But come on. Solidarity is the number one thing. Everybody should be in support. Um, support of the Guild getting uh, what they deserve. So that's happening. She's still making that E.T. All- bank, man. Exactly. <laughs> when she was like six or whatever. I don't know how old she was in E.T., but it was less than 10 years old. Yeah. So she is she, she's rolling in it. She got plenty of money. Um, uh, also, good old Warner Brothers Discovery. It would not in, be uh, would not be a multi-year support if we did not have something <laughs> weird coming out of Warner Brothers. Yeah, we got it. We got uh, two bangers tonight. Um, things coming out of Warner Brothers. Uh, one of them is definitely strike related where, and this was, um, I read that this was, this was seemingly done as a way to sow division amongst uh, writers and people that are in the guild, people that are striking. That Warner Brothers has suspended production deals that they had in place with a number of creators. And I guess they did this early on in the strike. There's a second wave of them. They've suspended their deals with Greg Berlanti the guy behind all of the uh, CW DC shows mm. and other stuff, but that's what he's most known for. Uh, Mindy Kaling and her production company, and also J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot. J.J. Um, Abrams had a deal with Warner Brothers. Specifically, it was with DC for a while, and I think that kind of faded um, once uh, James Gunn took over. But um, you know, these are people who production companies had been in long-term production deals with the studio, multi-million dollar deals. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just kind of done to like, okay, now these production deals are suspended. So there's even less of a chance that a job's going to be waiting for somebody when the strike is over. Um, and, you know, maybe if J.J. Abrams gets angry or great, these, these powerful people, or powerful producers, if they get upset that their deal is suspended, then they'll push one way or the other for uh for negotiations to go back like you know it's, it's just a bullshit tactic but flying in the face of this greg berlanti turned around i think the next day and donated five hundred thousand dollars to the wga <laughs> relief fund yeah um, that's not bad. as kind of a way which is great like way to go um a way to just kind of step up and say you know what i don't care you spend my deal i'm still in solidarity it's not going to make me change my mind about who's right in this situation right so. and this is our weekly moment to say uh no matter what we're reporting on this strike watch we're also 100 percent behind oh. what the uh, the writers and actors are doing here yes 100 percent. 
100 percent um i also just read uh, la uh later this evening that um steven spielberg and his wife kate capshaw just donated a sizable amount to the relief fund as well so good for them good guy steven spielberg um, that's steven spielberg also of et fame this is the all et podcast yeah maybe he's like hey i'm sorry that uh i hooked drew barrymore up with so much uh wealth when she was a child <laughs> at, an early, her in ET. at an early day I'm sorry that she's doing i'm sorry she's doing this i will i will uh try to do what i can to compensate <laughs> all right well there was somebody else that was in that movie that i'm thinking that was like a big name et yeah um henry thomas was the kid's name yeah uh the mom's name mom was also the mom in cujo c thomas howell was kind of a d d d wallace something. d wallace is the woman's name yes peter coyote are you thinking of robert mcnaughton et himself maybe because sho shockingly et didn't et sh didn't really have a big career after that he literally just went home to his home planet and he didn't no he wasn't he, in any other movies i mean he was in the phantom menace oh you're right you're right i'm sorry he had a cameo in the phantom menace he came back years later that was a big deal it was they must have when, when people saw really, that <laughs> they must have really sent him a good check to get him to come back just for the phantom menace it's a, it's a and long two, of, trip. two of his family members yeah yeah it's a it's real a long, long trip. trip to film that yeah yeah <laughs> um he also might have done a commercial at some mm. point i think i remember seeing a commercial was it for yeah. like at&t or mci or something i think it was and yes yeah. i did reference I it was, mci it was, a, it was a commercial that made me think that they were making a sequel to et when i was i remember seeing mm. it when i was a kid and thinking they made a sequel and my heart being crushed they did not make a sequel to et i'm assuming you had to phone home during the commercial uh most likely yes yeah yeah uh anyway because without uh, those writers you end up with things like that yeah yes exactly exactly um enough et banter unless did you want to just talk about et for the next hour we could just keep it wouldn't be the first time we've gone completely we off the rails but i think we should probably get back on the dc train um we should et is a great movie though it really I is <laughs> i will say that i stand in solidarity with et it's a good movie I tried to show it to my son, and he was scared by the first five minutes of it, <laughs> so he turned it off. Do you think okay. that species unionized for the, the Phantom Menace cameo? I'm sure that they did, because it's not just him. They probably just wanted E.T., and he was like, no, you're going to pay my family and put two members of my family in this also. Because it's three of them, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't there three of them in yeah. that little box? Yep. Senate box? You got to put, uh, gotta put the... Oh, God, what was the candy bar? Oh, Reese's Pieces? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, Gotta maybe they Reese's just got paid the in Reese's Pieces. <laughs> they probably just got paid in Reese's Pieces. Yeah. They probably got uh, paid in Reese's Pieces and Earth Plant Life. Right. Because that's what they were collecting. Yeah. Your credits are no good here. Your credits are <laughs> Only yeah, Reese's exactly. Pieces. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you are watching or listening and just for the first time learned that E.T. is in The Phantom Menace, uh, let us know. Send us an email. We'll tell you exactly where to find him. He's yeah. in one of the Senate scenes, you know. But if you want to know, we'll come back next week with a, a timestamp <laughs> for you if you want. <laughs> Hell, let us know. Anyway, 
Uh, let's try to relate every story back to ET for the rest of the uh, episode. Challenge accepted. <laughs> let's see if we can do that. David Zaslav was speaking at some uh, some industry conference. I didn't even write down. Uh, and he said something interesting. So I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, but he's I talking about. I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. So um, in addressing, he was doing some kind of speech and addressing the uh, crowd of, I don't remember if it, I think it was like investors, investors crowd or. Knowing him um, probably. That sounds, that sounds probably. right. Uh, he's talking about Warner Brothers and their plans for the future. He said, one of the other real strengths of Warner Brothers is we talk about the great IP that Warner Brothers owns. But for us, the challenge is that our content, our great IP, Harry Potter, DC, Lord of the Rings, that content has been underused. And he went on to say that they haven't had a, quote, long-form Superman project since 2013's Man of Steel. Now, that's not completely correct because of Superman and Lois, but... Warner Brothers is not the majority stakeholder in the CW, so they're not technically counting that, I guess, as a long as as their long form Superman content. Like they partially own the CW, but because it's not wholly Warner Brothers, I guess they're not counting that. Um, and then what he goes on to say, Superman? "What's that? What about my pal Superman or whatever the? Oh, the cartoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah." Zaslav strikes me as someone that does not see animation as a real form of art. Zaslav seems like a lot of things. We can get into that in a couple minutes after you finish the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, okay. He goes on to say, we haven't done anything with Harry Potter for more than a decade. We haven't done anything with Lord of the Rings. They want, and they, they went on to say that they want to, quote, be careful to not overuse their content, <laughs> although he already said that it's underused. We don't want to overuse the content, but he said that they have a, quote, 10-year plan around DC, which we've heard about because that's what the whole James Gunn thing is. And then said, quote, we are bringing Harry Potter back to HBO for 10 consecutive years and doing multiple movies of Lord of the Rings. So we know what he means by the DC 10-year plan. The DC 10-year plan is the James Gunn and Peter Safran new DCU reboot, starting with Superman Legacy and Creature Commandos. We've talked about that so much. We know what that means. We don't really talk about Harry Potter on the show too much because I don't think either of us really care about it, and J.K. Rowling is a massive turf. And uh, if you don't know what a turf is, you can look it up. But um, T-E-R-F. Steve and I be- um, T-E-R-F. And Steve and I believe that um, human right, uh, trans rights are human rights. And so we don't really want to give too much air time talking about J.K. Rowling. So uh, that's why we don't talk about Harry Potter. But we'll dabble in it for this. And then multiple movies of Lord of the Rings. Steve, we already got a trilogy of Lord of the Rings movies from Warner Brothers and a trilogy of uh, terrible Hobbit movies (laughs) from Warner Brothers. Which, going back, they weren't as bad as they were the first time I saw them, but still, you know, suboptimal. Okay. Um, I think just in comparison, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, they added... Night and day. they, They took a... 120 page children's book and turn it into three movies for some ungodly reason um but for money. either way money yeah i guess that is the reason. that is the ungodly reason yeah so have we have we had a this no never mind we've had plenty of quotes from david zaslov that fit the bill for i have no freaking idea what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> uh yeah. this would be one in a plethora of them um underused your ip 
that you've been shoving DC movies out left and right for how long? And I know, like, there's no underusing. Like the the Harry Potter stuff, you took a break because you finished the movies. You didn't take a break. You tried to right. put out Fantastic Beasts, and they yeah. were all bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like I think Lord of the Rings, two... like you said, you have you have the trilogy that's great, and then you yeah. have the Hobbit movies that are meh. And then what else are you gonna mine? You and don't you don't have the rights to the legendarium. <laughs> yeah, to the rest exactly. of the legendarium. Like, what are you gonna yeah. do? Are is he threatening that they're going to remake the Peter Jackson movies? Because I thought I had heard rumblings of that, and I don't want that to happen. That is that is my fear that he is saying that they're going to remake the Lord right. of the Rings. Which is what they're doing films. with Harry Potter. They're taking the 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 seven they're doing films a series, right? And doing ten years of series. series. Yeah. Yeah. And the issue isn't that you've underused them. It's you've used them shittily. Like there's no, yes. <laughs> there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You, you've you used them just completely in the wrong ways. It's exactly what we're yeah. talking about Marvel doing currently. It's exactly what we were talking about when Barbie came out and everybody, every studio exec was like, you know what the answer is? We need to make more toy movies. It's like, no, right. that's not yeah. the answer, you ass wagons. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> make movies that don't <laughs> suck. Make movies that, uh, not a toy movie. That's a movie about toys that's not about toys. Like, Barbie has yeah. has very limited to do with the fact that it's Barbie. That it's a um, toy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on, guys. Like, pull your shit together. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think him saying underused is him trying to make his point without saying um, we've made a bunch of stuff that people haven't really liked. Right. We've made bad stuff. And oh, this was at a Goldman Sachs conference for the record. That's yeah. Goldman Sachs. Because yeah. So of course, rich people with money investing, whatever he's trying to get them on. Yeah. So he he doesn't want to say like. Yeah, we made some good DC movies and some bad ones. We made some good Harry Potter movies and some bad ones. Also, like, straight up, he's, I feel like he's, when he says we haven't done anything with Harry Potter for more than a decade, he means Daniel Radcliffe as literally the character of Harry Potter. He doesn't, he's not even thinking about the Fantastic Beasts movies because that's a straight up lie. Like, the Fantastic Beasts movies I, take place in that same universe. I bet you he doesn't even know. And they came out them. last year. I bet you he doesn't right. even it's know. It's possible they made he doesn't even know. <laughs> Because they're not called Harry Potter and the Fantastic Beasts. Um, it's possible that he doesn't even know. I agree with that. Right. He doesn't know what a wizarding um, world is. He just hears Harry yeah. Potter. Right. Out of touch CEO. Um, I'll, I'll take out of touch CEO for 500, Alex. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so you got to. You got to be nervous that he's straight up saying we're going to bring Harry Potter back for 10 years. That's like how many films or how many film studios try to jump on the Marvel wagon by saying, we're going to build a cinematic universe and they make one or two movies and they're terrible and they flop. You know Dude, what I mean? Speak, um, speak on what uh, Amazon is currently doing with Lord of the Rings. They committed to yeah, five that's years. That's the other thing too. Like we haven't even talked about the fact that season two of wheel of time is out. They're screwing that up. Rings of Power will be oh, coming out? out. Yeah. Uh, Wheel of Time season two came out uh, September 1st, and there wasn't even a titter around the nerdverse on it. I completely yeah. forgot it until this week when I started watching it again. Wow. I mean, I didn't 
I'm not like a fan of it, but I didn't know that it was out at all. I didn't hear yeah, one thing like, about it. There was nothing. I, I wow. we don't have a do we even have a date for Rings of Power season two? Like no, but I'm sure that stopped because of the strike. Because I don't they were still filming that when uh, the strikes happened. So yeah, so but like yeah, the whole. But thing, that's not that's not Warner Brothers though. No, but that's but, Amazon making that's the Rings like, of Power. You're trying to you, if you're going to remake the Peter Jackson trilogy or yeah. something analog to that or do something that isn't an original thought in that space like look at how much people are complaining about rings of power personally i thought it was a decent show i thought it was great um i liked it a lot but like i don't know it, it's just like come up with a new idea somewhere you don't have to just remake everything or use existing ip yeah right i mean of these three, DC is the one that has the most, I agree with him about the DC stuff, that it has the most untapped potential because they have never known how to do, how to build a DC universe. Never. They've had fits and starts, some success, some failure, um, but it's never really gotten off the ground. Like anyone will tell you that. It's never really gotten off the ground. Harry Potter was a tremendous like box office smash for those seven films you know they were all like huge hits record-breaking films like some of them were in the top like highest grossing films of all time yeah um and uh lord of the rings too like those hobbit movies not great but they still crushed the box office and the and the original trilogy crushed as well and one best picture the third one return of the king one best picture so like those two you i don't think you can say those are like those have those have proven to have had success. DC is un under underutilized, I think. I don't think it's underused, but it hasn't been used correctly, I guess. That's the way I would put that. And he's making changes with that, great, but I don't know. He's coming out saying, like, yeah, we're gonna have ten years of Harry Potter series. Like, what if it's bad, David? It might it's what if it's bad? Or what if people right. like me and Steve, who may may have watched it before J.K. Rowling opened her mouth about trans people, now will refuse to watch it? Like, you know, her her stock has plummeted, I think, since she has um, started running her mouth. So um, that's not even that's not as that's not as much of a guarantee as it was, you know, five years ago, even. Lord of the Rings is just a big question mark. Lord of the Rings is like, what are you even going to do? You've already done it. You've done the, the the original books. You've done almost perfectly already. And people still lose their minds over those movies. And it doesn't seem that long ago that you made them. I guess it was a while ago, over 10 years for sure, that those movies were made. But I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Unless you're doing original stories within the Lord of the Rings franchise. But then, to your point, people didn't love the Amazon show because of that. Yeah. Because they were uh, playing with the mythology. I didn't mind it at all. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. But I, after I got over, it, it's one of those where I was able to dissociate and I feel like a lot of people are not. Oh, it's for like, sure. this is a different interpretation. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Right. But like, anyway, why he said those things? I don't know. Why do they mention those? Why don't they like, why why aren't they uh and and this is blasphemy but like why are you worried about stuff you made 10 years ago instead of remaking Casablanca or Clash of the Titans or something I know there's certainly they other They own the rights to those. 
yeah, there's other things they could do for sure. But I think that I think Hollywood in general is at a place where they, especially during the strikes, I think they are scared of new ideas. Failing. Make, it, make a new police like academy. They, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I just think that Hollywood is, um, they're all, they're just always playing the safe bets. It's so rare that, um, they're taking, they're not really taking big swings anymore. It's like sequels or reboots or just, um, what wasn't there? What studio said that they were only going to focus on existing IP? Uh, didn't we read that recently? Yeah. <laughs> like there was some studio that said they're only going to, they're, they were not going to do any new ideas. Like, okay, great. Can't wait to get bored by your content in right. five years. But um, then the the DC point, the best DC show that's been made wasn't even made by Warner Brothers. Uh, Watchmen? No, no, that was HBO. We're going to talk about it in two minutes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. Like, it's well, a DC it, it property. Was, but, but it, it wasn't didn't air on, what didn't air on Warner yeah sandman they didn't pay for it they didn't do anything for it they slapped their name on it that's all dc did or that's all warner did with it is because they owned the dcip but netflix did all the development and everything like it's proof that their ip can be used in a way that doesn't suck yeah and you and i have read plenty of things that don't suck from dc so like yeah but that's also that's also an example like I still I don't know why the Sandman wasn't on HBO Max. I think it should have been. Yeah. But um but that's a that's a a that's like an exception to the to the rule of DC stuff where it's like oh this is outside of like not every not everything needs to be a connected universe. I think he looks at DC as being he calls it underused, which is not like we said it's not underused, it's just been used poorly. It's not underused. He's looking. He he sees it as being underused because it's not uh, breaking the box office like Marvel was for such a long time. Right. Um. And it's not you know the second highest you know like whatever. Uh, Justice League is not the second highest grossing movie of all time like Avengers Endgame or something. Um. So he sees that he sees Marvel pumping out box office hit after box office hit and sees that deal. Oh, well, DC must be underused, but like it's not really because. DC is big. Like DC's got Sandman. DC's also has Watchmen. Like all these things are like that's all the DC banner. It's very diverse. But all he sees is like capes and tights and box office. Make a human target series. They did once. Nineteen ninety two, but like make a modern one. Yeah. (laughs) I know. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. I agree. (laughs) I don't know what to tell Uh, you. I agree. I don't know. So um, it'll be interesting to see if we get more specificity around what he means by doing multiple Lord of the Rings movies. Like that's the that's the most interesting thing out of that thing that I'm most interested in out of this quote is what does he mean by that, and when are we going to get more information on that, and what would that possibly be that wouldn't be offensive <laughs> to uh, fans. Um, but that moving might, out of that and moving that into might be DC, the most what? pumped. Uh, I just realized that might be the most fired up I've gotten over a DC con- or a topic we've had. Yeah. You're, More like a you're corrupting me. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the fold. Welcome to being a DC fan. It's rough. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> When it comes to films. Well, yeah, trust me. It has been. You're, oh, it's, it's not been great on the Hopefully you're getting in on the lately. tail end of the rough. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, now the scales are scales are looking like they're tipping, right? <laughs> like Marvel's future is like uh, I don't know, but like ooh, James Gunn, that's right. might be fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Interesting. We'll see what happens there. Well, here's uh, something we might have DC, some, some some thoughts on whether it's fun or not. Uh, yeah, I am interested to hear your thoughts. We got a teaser and a trailer announcement. We got a, a 30 second teaser and full trailer announcement for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. This is the sequel to the billion dollar grossing film Aquaman. Uh, 30 second teaser. The full trailer is coming out Thursday. So next week at our main uh, episode, we will be talking about the full trailer for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, it comes out in December and uh, it will be the final film in the DC Extended Universe canon that started with Man of Steel and is to be rebooted when things like Creature Commandos, Waller, and uh, Superman Legacy happen. So, uh, 30 second teaser. I watched it. Steve, throwing it to you first. What'd you think? I mean, it's not much. It's like flashes. We see Aquaman, obviously. We see his brother Orm. We see Black Manta. We see a house burning and a bunch of a uh, bunch of weird shit. Well, that, I would assume that's his old lighthouse. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. His, I think it's his. Uh, as far as home, location, his father's home. Um, yeah. I don't Fresh know. my memory. Have you seen, did you see Aquaman? Yeah. Yep. You hit it. Okay. And remember. my take on Aquaman, the, the OG Aquaman was, it was fun. It was visually solid and I yep. left it not caring about anything. Sure. Yeah. And this trailer looks almost yeah. exactly the same. I completely agree. <laughs> I think it looks shockingly exactly like the first movie yeah like oh yeah i mean i guess i don't know why i'm surprised by that because it's the same director and assumedly it's the same creative team so why shouldn't it look exactly like the first movie but a lot of times with a sequel they try to switch things up or yeah put things through a different you know filter or lens or whatever but like nah, this just like just like looked like more batshit crazy aquaman visuals which is something that I loved about the first one. And I am pretty much on the same page with you where I think that movie visually stunning and yeah. spectacular. Uh, the plot doesn't really make a ton of sense, but I will, I will revisit Aquaman uh, more frequently than I probably should just because it looks super cool. It has some like legitimate uh, great action scenes in it and really great sequences in it. Dialogue's terrible. Lots of it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Dialogue's terrible, um, really. And really, guess what? We got that in the trailer too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen uh, looks the part, looks amazing, and literally yeah. stands there and says, "Aquaman needs to die. He's bad. Goodbye." <laughs> I'm like, what? I thought it was a little better than that. I thought it was a little more intense than that. I, I mean, like, I don't know. Give me something more than. Uh, canned diatribe that's like i don't know it just it said like oh sweet he still looks cool oh okay great yeah. it's not going to change there was a really written. there was a really great one of the last uh quick shots of it was like the two of them like fighting yeah or that something. was good. and i just love like black manta such a goofy looking character that the fact that they 
I'm seeing him in live action. It just makes me <laughs> smile. I'm just like, I can't believe I'm watching it. That. And that's how I feel when I watch the first one too. And he's like right. fighting on a cliffside and shooting giant lasers out of his giant, stupid helmet. I'm like, I can't believe this is in a movie. And I love every second of it. Yep. Um, a uh, real quick shot of him riding Aquaman, riding on a seahorse. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, golden age of DC Comics, I believe, or Silver Age or both, uh, Aquaman had a pet seahorse. It was like his version of like Crypto, the super dog. Um, I, I believe the seahorse's name was Storm. So uh, if they're introducing Storm, um, Aquaman's pet giant seahorse, I will be very happy about that. <laughs> So I just the, like seeing crazy, uh, all the crazy underwater stuff is. Yeah, I don't know how I they're going to incorporate them into the League of Super Pets, though. Well, you never know. You never know. It's true. Um, in that, uh, the story you linked in the rundown, uh, it says the return of Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Dolph Lundgren. Who was yeah. Dolph Lundgren? Dolph Lundgren was um, Amber Heard's father. Okay. He was like, a, he was one of the, he was on like one of the kings. Or something. Tamara Morrison like, was Jason Momoa's dad. Yep. And then Nicole um, Kidman and then Randall Park. Randall Park had a very small part in I'm like a Aquaman scholar. Apparently. I uh, had a very had a very small part. He was like on a television. He was like he was a crazy scientist, like con- convinced that Atlantis was real and that these sightings of the Aquaman were true and he was really out there and i think at the end somehow uh black manta wakes up and is with randall park's character it might have been the post credit scene or the last scene in the movie okay where um he was like where's aquaman like shaking randall park or whatever like when he woke up from his coma or something so so uh, randall park so he, he plays... may have a bigger part in this movie okay that makes sense it's kind of the unassuming scientist role versus the unassuming police officer role in his MCU career. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, we'll see full trailer on Thursday. I'm excited based on the uh, little clip. Yeah. And I'm going into that movie fully aware it's probably going to be bad. But oh. uh, I'm just going to enjoy the visuals Dude, like I did with join, the first one. Join the world of, world of no expectations. It's the best place to be. Yeah. I know. I know, man. Sometimes I just can't help it. I know that it's bad. It's the best place to be when you have no expectations and you just can have fun. And I've done it before. I've been able to do it with properties I hold dear to my heart, which is one of the reasons that I enjoy a little movie called Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but, um, but I fully admit that that is like I have to temper expectations anytime that I uh, watch that movie. So it's going to be the same thing with Aquaman too. But I'm definitely going to see it when it comes out for sure. Something else that I'm excited about DC related, they announced. Not too long ago that uh, they were making some new DC animated films, one of them being Crisis on Infinite Earths, a uh, the first multiverse story um, that took place uh, in any comic book, but originated from DC comic books uh, when they were trying to realign their universe and the whole multiple worlds thing that was introduced. And it's a seminal story in the pages of DC Comics. They announced that they're making an animated film. Now that film is rumored to be three different films, a trilogy of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Huge eye roll from Steve, and I kind of agree with you. Seems like too much. Um, but this is only based on hearsay. It's not even really confirmed by Warner Brothers or anything. It's just saying that um, apparently somebody posted a copy or a photo of 
animation director Mike Milo, he's the and one of the animation directors for Christ on Infinite Earths, um, had a shot of his resume and they posted it to Reddit. And on the resume, it was listed as animation director of Justice League Crisis 1, 2, and 3. So it didn't specify Crisis on Infinite Earths. And the weird thing is that Crisis was spelled C R Y S I S. Crisis. I don't know what that means, but uh, three full movies of Batman crying to Superman about something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, or are there sisters in the DC? You know, like whoever's a sister, like crying. Sister. Oh, that's yeah. what it means. There you Cry, go. sis. Cry, <laughs> comma, sis. One, two, and three. Three movies. I love that. Um, I, Steve, I agree with your eye roll that I rather this not be a trilogy of animated films unless they're like, if they're each an hour long fine right but i don't need like a 90 to 100 minute long trilogy like three movies that are that length in a row telling this one story again it's a big story it's long and it's complicated so i mean i guess the the amount the story is there to take up that much but like i don't know man i don't think i would sit through three movies to be honest with you no you would eventually Uh, yeah eventually Eventually, but yeah, but I mean, it's like, just like just any, like a lot. any large crossover, there's plenty of fluff to cut out and you can exactly. trim it away from like, make it one, two and a half hour animated feature, make it one, whatever, like do whatever you need to, but three movies. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a way to simplify something to cut something down. Like you could do it, it in live action be... in less than three movies. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Um, another small DC story to round out the DC section here. Um, Netflix, uh, Steve referenced this earlier, the Sandman show that they made for Netflix is being released physically and digitally. Um, uh, oh, it was Disney Plus we talked about recently is releasing some of their shows uh, physically. And Netflix seldom does this. I think they do it with like Stranger Things. Yep. Maybe a couple of their other hits, but uh, it's not like they're putting all their original stuff out on um, other platforms, whether it's digital or physical. Uh, we're getting a digital version of Sandman is available to buy or download on September 18th. Very soon. Next week. Week from yesterday. And um, the physical will be available at the end of November, November 28th. And um, I don't know that I don't know that I'll buy this physically, but I might because you know, we we talked about a couple weeks ago with the Disney stuff, like streamers are suddenly pulling stuff, canceling stuff. Things that you thought were going to be available online forever suddenly just don't exist anymore, like Willow or other um, shows. You know, not that it was released, but like Batgirl was an almost finished film that now no one will ever see. So. Um, and this show is great. Like, Steve, you said this is one of your favorite dc shows that you've ever seen so yeah i mean hands um, down and i think it might in be. my opinion it's the the best dc show they've made i mean it was a fin- over watchman was... oh yeah shit yeah second best show they've ever Stop. made <laughs> over peacemaker yes okay peacemaker was a lot more fun and oh yeah like <laughs> yeah but as far and peacemaker is probably more rewatchable 
but like yeah. Sandman, every single episode just kept me in rapture. Yeah, I agree. And it was like, I agree. It was a a solid retelling of the source. It was it it hit all the right notes. Yeah, I agree. And I would I agree. never make and, my wife uh, watch it because it was frightening as shit in points. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and they are working making a season two, and I, I feel like it's possible that we we might see more announcements like this during the strike because mm. like streamers are probably just like okay well how are we going to be making money if we're not making new film and television oh well let's release some of the stuff that we have and see if people will buy it and you know what they probably will so i um, did see uh while you were talking about the the netflix thing um the last thing they released was stranger things season two whoa they haven't even so done the other no they've two it's been seasons. a while since they've released uh physical media wow that's so. even a bigger shock then. Yeah. Um, well, I know. Yeah. Sandman was a huge hit for them. So it makes sense. They would pick this one uh, to be the next physical release, but shocking that they haven't done the next two stranger things seasons, especially because everyone loved four. I feel like four was like a huge yeah. hit. And like, like th- I, I remember, I remember reviews of three being like, meh, though. I remember liking it. Although I don't think I could tell you what happened in it at all. But um, then four, I think was a big, uh, a big success for them. So I mean, four made Kate Bush a household name again. That's right. That's right. It did. And also Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that scene was just great, um, but so cool. Um, so yeah, more uh, physical media. I think that, again, I think this is, you know, I, there's so many people that think physical media is dead and worthless, but you know, the more we, the more the streaming bubble starts uh, bursting and things start crumbling. I don't know. We we may see a rise in um, physical media again. Who knows what the next show that's going to be pulled or the next movie? You know, actually, I have a a quick tangent to go on about a a a, phys- a win for physical media yeah. that I experienced recently. Um, not long ago, within the last two weeks, I would say. Um, you know, I'm somebody long. You know, listeners of this show will know, should know. I'm a big. Uh, fan of uh spooky season big halloween guy i enjoy a horror movie and now and then come up later uh, in the podcast as well during our comic reviews twill it will um and uh you know now it's up september I, I i look at september as like um a prelude kind of like spooky season part one but it's more like casual spooky season and then october is like hardcore spooky season right um, soon as like fall vibes start hitting. So, but you know, I tend to kind of start jumping the gun a little bit late August. I'm like, Hmm, I feel like watching some horror movies kind of set the mood for like, you know, where my brain is starting to lean into. But I was like, but it's still really hot outside. It's summertime. What movie could I watch? that kind of like fits this vibe that I'm in. Oh, Friday the 13th movie about kids at a summer camp getting killed. I'll watch Friday the 13th. Guess what's not streaming anywhere? Friday the 13th. Yeah, for free. Like the reboot is available on like a couple streamers and that reboot's all right. But I want to watch like the original films. Yeah. yeah. Part part two is my favorite one. So like I want to watch that one or I want to watch the original, you know? Okay. But I didn't know that, um, but I'll give you that. It's really good, dude. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, I still, I still will always hold the OG in like high regard. sure me too i think that's always what i go to but i i get where you're going with part two yeah part two is really good um 
uh, but I, I couldn't find any. Like, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to buy. I don't know. I'm like looking. Like, okay, well, I do. I need to spend ten dollars on what movie, whatever. I don't know. I just went to Amazon and I looked. I was like, maybe there's like a a set of like one and two, like a Blu-ray set of like the first two or first three or whatever. Steve, I got for thirty-five bucks. I got a Blu-ray set of the first eight Friday the Thirteenth movies for thirty-five bucks, and they all fit in one little blu-ray thing they're all packaged so it's like it takes up the space of one movie i was like i'm Mm. buying this 100 percent. yeah win and i own them forever i don't even like hell i i i'm not gonna go back and rewatch more than one or two but i would buy that in a heartbeat (laughs) worth it because a lot of times you a lot of times you buy no matter how old it is a lot of times if you buy the movie digitally it's like 20 bucks or 15 bucks or something so like okay I guess I can spend $20 on one movie or I can spend 35 on eight of them. Great. You couldn't rent those eight movies for less than what you'd bought them for. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So now, for any of you younger folk back in the day to rent a movie, you had to go to a store. Yeah. And buy a VHS tape and then that. get yelled at for not rewinding it. I kind of miss those days. I do. <laughs> and I don't because I like just sitting on my couch and being like, Oh, I can do this right here. Correct. But also like, there was some fun about like going with your friends and like picking out the wall of yeah, just looking at a cover and being like, "This looks weird. Let's get this." Right. Like so many times we'd be like, "This looks fucked up. Let's watch this movie." Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's go watch this, and then you get it and you're like, "That was really bad." Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, Sometimes, but that's also fun if you're like watching it with your friends. Yeah, yeah. like, well, this sucked. Let's mm-hmm. make fun of it for an hour and a half. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mystery science theater. Anyway, <laughs> all day. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, we're old. Um, uh, doing some miscellaneous. We got a few uh, a few stories that don't necessarily fall into a specific um, category. Uh, this is a, we don't talk about this for too long, but apparently Rotten Tomatoes, the site that everyone uh, loves and fawns over for their movie reviews. I mean, not to pat myself on the back, but I've never really put too much stock in it. And I'm glad I didn't because apparently Rotten Tomatoes uh, is a bunch of bullshit. And a uh, movie promotion company called Bunker 15 had been for the last five years or so paying lower level reviewers $50 each uh, per review, per positive review. And they weren't going after people that work for like the Hollywood Reporter or Vulture or, you know, actual like reputable review sites and um outlets but uh you know lower like bloggers people like you and me steve right, they give us know, 50 bucks to do it people if, or a few rungs up from us that actually qualify as like right you know i don't know how you qualify to be a official reviewer on rotten tomatoes but you got to do i think more than what you and me are doing um and they've been doing that for a long time trying to get their movies uh certified fresh and uh that is gaming the system and wholly a lie so i am going to continue not put too much stock in Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't think anyone else should either. I think you no, should uh, find a critic that you trust or that you believe to be reputable. Seek out reviews from reputable sources. Almost um, like you should with all news. With all news, yeah, exactly. Weird. Don't just go to one one source that clearly can be easily manipulated. Yeah. So. So yeah. this is this is like the worst kept secret in movie reviews, to my knowledge, but for some reason rotten tomatoes has always been like held in regard so no i know one here to tell I think, you not to 
I, I think people that um, kind of like pay attention to these kinds of stories and are like, you know, like you and me or whatever that are care about like the industry and read things like this and talk about movies and productions and things. I think those kinds of people kind of know Rotten Tomatoes is nothing, but you know, the general public that just want to see a movie or whatever, like, Oh, I can just go to this one site and they'll tell me the whole average of what's good and bad. Um, I think they were probably more shocked by it, but anyway, now everybody knows because everybody listens to this podcast. So Steve, you're telling me, I mentioned that uh, we were about to, we we're going to talk about a property that we had never spoken about on this podcast. You seem to remember that at least one time in the past we have talked about the crow. We yeah. talked about the crow. I believe it was in relation to some of the horrible, horrible sequels that were made about the crow. But the crow is a hundred percent come up on the podcast, and I believe both you and I have expressed our uh, enjoyment of the original movie. Um, I do. I think I only saw it once, but okay. I do remember enjoying it. Um, thinking that it was like a little cheesy, but liking yep. it at the same time. And remember, nineteen um, nineties, nineteen uh, nineties comic book movie. Oh, for sure. Like I was definitely excited to be watching. I've said this before. Like it was just anything that resembled a superhero yeah. movie. I was like, like, yes, give it to me. Rocketeer. Here, yes, the shadow, yes, the crow, yes, like anything. Um, and this was a straight adaptation of a comic book, so um, I watched it at a friend's house, thought it was cool, but clearly didn't get into my soul the way other things did. Um, but here we are talking about the crow after many years being stuck in development hell, a new version of the crow will be coming out next year. There is no specific release date. Um, the movie itself. Sorry, I'm pulling out something else here. Uh, the movie stars Bill Sarsgaard, Pennywise himself, uh, FKA Twigs, and Danny Houston or Huston. Uh, Danny Huston was one of the villains in the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, he's like a guy you look up his face, you're like, oh, I've seen that guy in a million things. Um, uh, it's gonna be directed by a guy named Rupert Sanders. It was filmed last year. The movie's already made, but it just got distribution through uh, Lionsgate. Apparently they didn't know um, uh, who was going to be distributing it. Uh, but here we are with The Crow. And I was trying to look up real quick while I was talking. Um, if you don't know, I, I, I can't really find too much information on exactly. Um, the premise of The, the Crow? Or, no, just the origins of the, the comic itself. But um, uh, Oh, there it is. James O'Barr. Yes. Okay. I just found it as well. Um, the uh, well, the first movie starred the late Brandon Lee, and I think part of the reason that the movie—I mean, not to be morbid—but I think part of the reason that the movie was very popular is that Brandon Lee famously died while filming it. Um, there was a gun on set that was—was was it? I don't remember. Was it actually a loaded gun and not a prop gun, or was it? Uh, a mis- like a mistake and the prop gun had a real bullet in it. I don't know. It was some weird thing where he got he was shot. There was a scene where he was supposed to get shot at and it was yeah it was a real so bullet in there. Usually usually prop guns are loaded with dummy rounds. Yeah. And apparently these dummy rounds were improperly prepared. 
so they were improvised from live cartridges and apparently something was actually expelled from the gun right and unfortunately for everyone uh brandon lee passed uh during the filming in in the middle of filming of the uh, scene yep um they're somehow able to finish the film either with um shots that they had already completed or uh i think uh body doubles things like that for scenes where you can have to see his face um uh but yeah the storyline is basically he's a musician who is uh murdered and then is it's kind of ghost ridery similar to ghost rider he's granted the power to return from the dead in order to seek vengeance on those uh who killed him so uh it was a it was a popular movie when it came out and they made like you said Steve several sequels that i think got increasingly increasingly worse they did yes. um and they've been trying to reboot it or make another sequel for a really long time the, um like the i said sound, it's been in development the soundtracks did continue to be high quality always always a good soundtrack for sure um and uh just so you know how many times they've tried to make this movie since they've since the idea of a crow reboot, which I think was in the mid to late two thousands, a lot of different actors have been in talks or officially cast in a crow reboot, all of them falling apart. All those actors, some of those actors um, include Mark Wahlberg, Bradley Cooper, Channing Tatum, James McAvoy, Luke Evans, Ryan Gosling, Alexander Sarsgaard, Tom Hiddleston, and Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa was the most recent one uh, to be cast and then eventually walk away from the troubled production. But now it's coming out. Bill Sarsgaard as the crow. So how excited are you about a new crow movie? Sure. (laughs) If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's just on the pile of other things they're making that are reboots of something else. Um, Yeah. Take a wild stab at what the first crow sequel, which was the crow city of angels uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the aforementioned Rotten Tomatoes, this would have been long before paying for shit. Um, sure. Take a stab at what the rating, the approval rating is. Mm-hmm. 15%. You would have failed on the prices right. Oh, uh, it went over? 11%. 11. Oh, yeah. that's a dog mm, shit score right yeah, there. Not not great by by any Ooh stretch. Boy. Yeah. Ooh boy. Meanwhile, the original was an 84% on said review site. But yeah, they it's also a made big uh, difference. Yeah, they made uh two other sequels, Salvation and Wicked Prayer. Um I don't that's believe right. any Prayer. of which were quite phenomenal. But uh yeah. Yeah, here we are. It's interesting. We'll see. We'll see if the world is ready for a new The Crow. Um, seems like a movie. I mean, they're clearly trying to make it for a long time, but it seems like a movie they should have come out a long time ago, like a reboot. Ernie Hudson was in the original. I don't remember Ernie Hudson being in the original. I don't either. But I believe you. I don't think you're lying to me. Interesting. Um... All right, last uh, real piece of news. Another trailer, or teaser trailer, that we got. And this teaser trailer, like the Aquaman one, made me very excited for a full trailer. We got a trailer for Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Yes, that's the new Godzilla series. It's debuting uh, Friday, November 17th. 
That was a date that we got with this teaser trailer on Apple TV Plus. Uh, starring Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell, and John Goodman? What? Yeah, apparently. He was John there. John Goodman rep- reprising his role um, from Kong Skull Island, my favorite of the oh, yeah. MonsterVerse movies. That makes um, more sense. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, this might be the show that gets me to purchase Apple TV Plus because, man, this trailer looked great. Movie quality effects, movie quality Godzilla. Like that, we talked about when they released photos for this, when they announced the name of the show and they released a couple stills. One of those stills was Godzilla, and it was the scene that we see in this trailer of him turning around and screaming at um, someone hiding behind a car. And I think you and I said, like, hey, if the moving pictures look as good as these photos do, then it's going to be great. And they do. They do. Mm -hmm. It looks great. Top notch quality, I think, here. What do you think of this? I haven't been this excited about something MonsterVerse in a while. And this is this is Matt Shagman directing it as well. Yes. Yeah. So the the trailer itself, I mean, like you said, the the visuals look amazing. Um, the Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell thing that we have talked about in the past, uh, for anyone who did not tune in for that, uh, Kurt Russell is playing himself or Wyatt Russell is playing Kurt Russell in flashbacks. Yeah. So playing the same character. Kurt Russell is modern day. And then Wyatt Russell is playing the flashbacks of the same character. Yeah. And clearly showing some kind of like, uh, you know, just history of this company or trying to uh, save or protect or defeat these monsters in some kind of way, just kind of more um, digging into the lore, I guess. And what I really liked about it is that I've mentioned this before, but the the tone of these MonsterVerse movies uh, can shift from one movie to the next. I think some are trying to be more serious. Some are a little more lighthearted. And the most recent one, Godzilla versus Kong, is just off the deep end, uh, like just a batshit crazy <laughs> movie. Um, still fun, but crazy. And this seems more like a step back from that, like trying to deliver some kind of uh, more of a serious tone um, and some actual drama and and scares, possibly, instead of just being like a giant. Uh, cartoon show which i also enjoyed i enjoyed king kong attacking godzilla with a giant glowing axe that he found at the center of the earth i thought that was fun but um you know it's not necessarily what i want of like a a serious drama (laughs) based on people fighting godzilla so anyway i'm down for this for sure november 17th my calendar Mm -hmm. is marked for sure so what is that that brings it up to what was there five, four films so far? Four, yes, because there's the original uh, Gareth Edwards Godzilla, and then they did the two Kong Kongs. Skull Island. No, they just did one Kong, the Kong Skull oh, Godzilla Island versus Kong, What's Godzilla King yeah. of Monsters, and then Godzilla versus Kong. So yeah, yeah, there's just the four, but they are making that. They are making a fifth one, um, just called Godzilla Kong something else but that's right. one of the ones that got pushed remember when warner brothers was like pushing their slate around that got mm-hmm. pushed to next year or later next year i think so so i'll have to wait to see that but in the meantime we get this cool series absolutely so awesome 
Steve, should we talk about some comics? I think we should. I think we both read some pretty good comics. Unless I'm, I think so. Unless after me reading the one that you have, uh, have a completely different read on it than you do. Um, I don't know. Are we both talking about this, or do you have your own book? No, I have. Uh, for some reason, I have a phone playing music in my pocket. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, but uh, are you going to review the phone, the music that is playing? <laughs> no, I am not. All right. But uh, um, I, I do have uh, "Hunger in the Dusk" by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, Ooh. or issue two. Oh, cool okay um well i tease this on our instagram uh page but i'm talking about a book that you mentioned on this show a few weeks ago yes you already mentioned this to me and i thought it looked cool and then uh jesse funky town comics was like you really got to read this book it's on its third printing which means so many it's it's issue one is on its third printing and yes there is steve's copy as well for those viewing uh a book being on its third printing is mean means that the first issue was so popular and sold out that they needed to print more of them to satisfy the demand and then that sold out and was so popular they needed to print more to satisfy the demand for issue one of this book called dwellings by a guy named jay stevens uh from a publication called oni press and you may remember Steve talking about this book, or if you saw it on my Instagram tease, where the artwork for this book is very much, very like kid-friendly cartoon looking. Like I've said a couple times, I think it kind of looks like Dexter's Laboratory, something on Cartoon Network yeah. in the 90s, um, or like a Warner Brothers cartoon, like a Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry style. Like it seems like a very inoffensive art style. However, the stories um are terrifying this is a um it's <laughs> yes, a very yes they are it's a bigger book it's like an expanded book there's two full stories in here um and they're dark and they're violent and they're haunting both of them are they're very effective horror stories and they waste no time getting into them at first i like i just couldn't get over the mixing and matching of the art style versus the story that's being told and i kept thinking like when i started each story i was like oh okay this is going to be a slow burn that builds to some like a twist and they're going to utilize the art style to really make me think that it's going to be some benign thing and then it'll be great but no it starts right away gets like it gets it earns its horror stripes right away um the first like page or two of the, the story itself and uh, it just keeps going. It goes places that I don't expect. It goes further than I ever expect in both of the stories. Um, it's just wildly good. I completely understand why it's on its third printing. If you are someone that likes horror stories, horror comics, you 100% need to get yourself a copy of Dwellings by Jay Stevens from Oni Press. It's tremendous. I think they get away with a lot more, whether it be the violence that they show uh, the gore that they show. And yes, they do show gore in this yes. uh, book that looks like it's written for children. It's not. I just can't stop saying it. it's not a kid's book. It looks like it is. It's for it's grown up. It's for grownups. Yeah. Um, but I think they get away with more of that stuff because of the art style. Mm. And um, it's just really great. And there's like there's really cool. Uh, the design of it is great. Like even on the back, they have just like fake advertisements for Halloween costumes that are kind of based on some of the characters in the book. Like you would see at the back of like a, 
a golden age comic or I don't know, like a boy's life magazine or something yeah. with like, you know, it's like you're expecting an ad for like x-ray specs and stuff. Um, and there's even some of that within the book as well. Like sometimes you turn a page and it looks like there's an ad, right? Like, you, you know, there's like comics a full page ads, yeah, in it. full page ad for oh. something that you realize is like somehow tied into the story. Uh, Yes, you turn another page and there's a character that is reading that magazine with that ad in it and it's tied into the story. Yeah, for sure. Stuff stuff like that. It's super cool. It's well done. And, you know, being somebody that uh, writes comics and has looked for artists to hire to draw comics and I always try to find an artist's work that I like but I think matches the tone of the book that I'm writing. And this book, tells me that maybe I don't have to care about that so much because this the the full tilt horror of the writing is very different from the art style and that just works so well for this book that it makes me think that uh it's not that matching that is not always not always as important um as I think it is I think um the right combination can be uh, vastly different and still work which uh i don't know is a tribute to um the way this book is made the stories that are told the way it's drawn and also just the medium of comics in general so i can't recommend this book enough if you are into uh horror stories it's fun it's haunting and it's great dwellings jay stevens go get it yeah i, I remember reading that first story and like you said like two pages in you're like oh okay it's a horror story and then four pages in you're like holy shit and then six pages and you're yeah. like whoa <laughs> it yeah. just keeps <laughs> yeah, exactly. keeps progressing like, oh you get to the end and you're like oh i feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah like oh more murdering right. okay oh just more murder yeah. oh yep <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to like get too deep into the plot because i don't want to give away stuff because it's like oh yeah no it's a ride. keep it yeah, yeah you keep it vague but yeah it's it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> no even though it looks like a all. saturday morning cartoon this exactly. is not That's family circle, folks. No, not at all. <laughs> so I had uh, the hunger in the dusk. We're continuing our indie trend this week. Uh, yeah. So I got on this uh, back when they released the first issue. Um, basically, IDW put out a D&D-esque comic written by G. Willow Wilson. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Where do I go? Uh, so I grabbed a copy from Jesse. Um, this is the continuation. I, I had the Brian Chang, uh, cover for the first one that was awesome. And this is the, uh, similarly Brian Chang cover for the second one. Yeah. That's Um, a gorgeous cover. And he's, I mean, he's been around for years doing various things, but apparently signed up for some cover art for IDW. Uh, so G Willow Wilson on writing, Chris Wild Goose and Masasic on uh, colors and pencils, and overall the premise. Um, and and this was a great follow up to the first issue. Um, think high fantasy D and D esque uh, story, but uh, all that's left on Earth or whatever the planet is or area is are humans and orcs. Um, oh. And there is a uncomfortable need to team up against a third invading force. So you end up with the 
I guess, the conflict and tension between the orcs and the humans needing to team up and how they're teaming up um, basically creates uh, some interfamily strife, some dynamics between sure. this mercenary group that is extremely diverse, uh, you know, humans of all walks of life and this orc healer um, joining them as like a token of faith. And there's this, uh, and that's basically the D and D party. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of interplay, a lot of, um, a lot of solid writing that doesn't rely on tropes of the genre. Um, so it's got me in for, you know, the, the second issue has definitely gotten me grabbing the third. So it's, uh, it's now officially on the poll and, you know, a solid, solid offering. I would uh, highly recommend anyone who's who's into that kind of high fantasy ish, uh, high fantasy ish feel. The art itself, um, let's see, give you a good page. Just uh, you know, not not hyper realistic, but um, you know, uh, realistic enough in the fantasy sense. So yeah, for sure, you're looking at all the colors too. Yeah, I mean, you know, some various. Oh wow. uh, you know, it goes from anywhere from there. They have some scenes like up in the the north and the tundra. Oh, nice! So it's oh, it's great. a you know a, a wild variation throughout the book, and it's a nice mix and kind of keeps you keeps you moving. So awesome! Definitely recommend. G Willow Wilson really stretching her uh, genre legs. Yeah, one you, foot in you go from poison ivy to that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, hunger and the dusk. That's a cool title too. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, else, uh, what else is coming out this week in your local comic book store? We got Alligator Loki, number one. Sure. I didn't know that Alligator was a big enough character to get its own book, but sure. Uh, Astonishing X-Men number, uh, sorry, Astonishing Iceman number two. Avengers Incorporated number one. Batman Gargoyle of Gotham number one. Coda number one. Danger Street number nine. New run of Daredevil starting. Daredevil number one starts this week. Uh, regular gargoyles number nine ghost rider number 18 green lantern number three jesse i don't know if you're listening i don't know if you have ordered this book i don't know anything about it i don't know if it is um um widely available or whatever but i would love to read a book called harriet tubman demon slayer number one so i don't know if that book is on the shelves at funky town comics this week i'm getting it I don't know if it will be because it could be it could be yeah. hard to get. It could be a very independent book. I don't know anything about it. I just read the name and put it on this list. I do feel like being Auburn or, Jason, Auburn or Jason were contractually obligated to read that book. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. Oh, yeah. Also, House of Slaughter, number 17, Incredible Hulk, number four, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 10, Red Goblin, number eight, Something Epic, number five, Star Trek, Picard's Academy, number one, Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 38, Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, number one, Superman Lost, number six, Undiscovered Country, number 25, Venom, number 25, Werewolf by Night, number one, World's Finest Teen Titans, number three, and X-Men Red, number 15. Lots of great stuff in your local comic book store. Steve, you pulling any of this besides uh, Hunger in the Dusk? Anything else new on your pull list besides your uh, submergence into the X-Men world? No, I'll end up with Astonishing Iceman and X-Men Red because of that. Um, and in all honesty, I'm still riding the uh, the Incredible Hulk train. 
this is oh, yeah. A, yeah the issue three kept me going so still there um and it, curious on is do we know if werewolf by night's a one shot or if it's gonna be a i don't going through i do not know but uh i am very interested to uh, get a look at that book and see what it looks like and see what it is yeah um, i'm also surprised house of slaughter is still uh still going strong 17 issues I guess I'm not surprised, yeah. but I'm surprised. Um, yes, I agree. I mean, I I heard mixed reviews of it when it first came out, but um, I've heard it's gotten better. But um, I don't know. I haven't been following. I'm just waiting for more. Something is killing the children. That's all I want. That's all there I want go. in the world. Um, speaking of your X-Men, I read a thing on Twitter from uh, a an account I follow uh, that is a comic shop in i'm holding my phone up like you guys can read it that far away <laughs> uh a comic shop in buffalo new york uh, called pulp 716 coffee and comics it's a comic book store that also sells coffee genius idea um they said something recently i don't know if i can find it or i'll paraphrase it if i can't find it in like the next two seconds um yes they uh two days ago they said about 58 percent of our x-men subscribers have canceled their x-book subscriptions in the past year the majority of them have subscribed to X-Books for 10-plus years. In addition, Gods, this new Marvel book that we haven't really talked about, but Gods is our lowest-ordered Marvel first issue in the past five years. In the same time span, books that had similar subscription numbers, Saga and Something is Killing the Children, saw a slight increase in their subscriptions. People were getting the trades that people that were getting the trades are now getting the monthly releases because they don't want to wait. So there's a couple things there. Yeah. A lot of people were dropping their subs prior to Fall of X because things were hot garbage. Ah, yeah. And so um, I get I get why they would drop their X subscriptions. Um, this seems to be a nice reset, and they'll probably come back as soon as the reset's done. Uh, yeah. And Gods, well, it's uh, Jonathan Hickman's new joint, is a nine ninety nine cover price Ooh, because yikes. it's a sixty four page book. Oh, okay. Well, getting some kind of your money's worth, I guess. Right. But it, at the same time, like, are you going to pre-order that or are you going to wait and see what happens? And if it's good, I'll buy it. And if not, I'm not. Yeah. That's where I'm good at. Good point. Like, no offense, Jesse. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Somebody commented on that uh, post by Pulp716 um, about, you know, basically saying, like, yeah, X-Men, it's too much to follow. There's too much going on. And they responded by saying, a longtime X-Men reader at our shop said the following. Quote, I feel like my favorite pizza place put foie gras on my pie instead of pepperoni, thinking I'd like it because it's sophisticated and fancy. I just want pizza, man. <laughs> so I get that. I, so, I get that analogy. So 100% that was the whole sinister setup. Like, in hindsight, if I grab some trades and read through it, I'll probably like, yeah, sure, it's sure. fine. Yeah. But I wasn't going to sub to any of that because it was like, I just don't, I can't it's just too much some, i feel like some styles of writing and storytelling cater better to um single issues yep uh and some cater better to longer storytelling like longer long form graphic novel storytelling style and uh hickman just may, might be one of those guys that like you need a big chunk of it you need to dive in well no because really hickman was in. hickman's been off of x for about two or two years oh now. that's right maybe that's three right years. he started it though yep. he started that whole arc thing yeah yep. so yeah it was 
it seems like the bookends have been solid and the middle was a little washy and that's where they lose yeah. a lot of people was yeah i mean you had all the sinister stuff and yeah it was yeah i get it yeah all right they'll cool. be back well they always my friend, are it's the x-men it's the x-men they're not going anywhere they're not going anywhere i'm sure they'll just uh whatever they're doing now they're probably going to reboot whenever the mcu announces whatever x-men project they're going to do they'll reboot everything to match oh yeah i mean in the spring i think they'll probably be to a point where they'll reboot everything back to something so yeah makes sense they're all dead right now so it's fine yeah yeah it's totally fine (laughs) who cares um steve i think that's all i got you got anything else uh yes i do actually uh something that dropped today um oh since we haven't talked about Star Wars, uh, Sean Levy has officially come out today uh, and said that development had had started on his Star Wars movie pre-strike. Whoa, really? Yep. So I know we had talked about in the past that he was one of the ones greenlit for a Star Wars film. Uh, apparently production had started on it prior to the strike. Wow. That's interesting because he was not at Star Wars Celebration. Yep. Interesting. So? Interesting. Um, gotta th- probably clarify that production starting doesn't necessarily mean that it's a green lit film. Correct. Like all, like everybody that they brought out at Star Wars Celebration, like they announced some plans, but I don't think any of those movies are officially green lit, especially during the strike. So I don't know I I have faith that they will move forward, but you never know. I feel like with Lucasfilm, you you, you got to hold out a little bit, just be like they might change their minds. Because they do that a lot, and they might cancel something. So we'll see. But interesting, because we don't know anything about that movie. No, we know nothing at all. One. Yeah, we'll probably know some more after Deadpool three comes out, and he's done with that. Because I feel like after that, then his next thing is going to be Star Wars, if it's still happening. Yeah. By then. Yeah, I'm mildly mildly uh, confused because you know we had D twenty three this last weekend. And uh, really didn't hear anything about Star Wars or anything, which may have hear anything about anything. Didn't hear anything about anything. So that was last weekend. This weekend we just finished. D23 Ultimate Disney Fan Event, August 9th, 10th and 11th. Well, I guess they can't. You know, never mind. That was 2024. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm a little ahead of time. Okay. Okay. Also, even if they did have the convention, they probably can't announce too much. It's like Comic-Con because everyone's on strike. They can't really promote anything or do anything. So, you know, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Well, I know what you can uh, do. Well, cool. Faithful listener. You know what? I, oh, faithful listener. I thought you were talking to me. Oh, no. Gonna say, what I know I what do? you can do, Mike. Uh, no, I know, uh, I know what our faithful listeners can do. They can, you know catch more of us whenever we're streaming by subscribing and watching us on youtube or you know uh checking out in your feeds where uh wherever your podcasts are found if you have a chance feel yeah. free to review us on apple podcasts or on youtube um usually helps other people find us beyond that get a hold of us uh the multi-resupport at gmail.com the multi-resupport on all your socials except for blue sky which is multiverse report Ah, no the? No, it was Just too long. Report. So, ah, okay. as of today, we are yes. on the uh, Twitter X whatever alternative uh, that seems to be a much happier place. I enjoy, I like it quite a bit. I like yeah. Blue Sky. Um, 
if anyone wants a code, I got a couple codes. Same. Reach out. Let me know. I'll invite you. Uh, but you have to follow the Multiverse Report. That's the, that's the one. <laughs> it's your one caveat. And me. And me. <laughs> and yeah, I don't, I don't care if you follow me. Follow the Multiverse Report and follow Mike. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm, bad at, I'm bad at social media. Yeah, that's okay. Um, all right. Well, if that's it, that's it for me. That's it for Steve. Until next time, which will be Wednesday with our uh, episode uh, episode five review of Ahsoka. Uh, until then, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse. <laughs>